Welcome into 2 for 1 Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of 2 for 1 Drafts, a Rookies and Draft Prospects podcast. Today, we're going to look at the open GM jobs in the NFL and rank them. David Caldwell fired, Bob Quinn fired. Also going to do a tank update, look at the teams that would be currently picking inside the top five and look at some scenarios. Who, the, who would they be picking right now? Who should they be targeting inside that top five? And then we're also going to re-rank the top five rookie receivers, the receivers from the 2020 class. It's been a ton of exciting guys there. Chase Claypool has played well. Uh, Justin Jefferson, obviously, balling out, going to rank those those guys and then of course our classic segments on the monday episode of two for one drafts rolling rooks and raise a glass and of course our blackout segment looking at the top and bottom performers from rookies and draft prospects perspective let's get it Monday after Thanksgiving, two-for-one drafts podcast episode. It's always going to be a great one. You're coming off a solid weekend. It's maybe a four- or five-day weekend. Talk to me about your trip to Cleveland Mm. with your brand-new girlfriend. Give me a highlight from this trip. There were a lot of highlights. It was a really good trip. Nice. Um, The food that her uncle's made, absolutely incredible. The best turkey I've ever had. The best stuffing I've ever had. I know. My family not known for their cooking ability. This was on point. So that was great. Uh, may have clogged a toilet afterwards. Not going to tell that story on the pod. Um, but uh, one of the, my favorite story of the whole thing was uh, on Thanksgiving Day, you actually text me, uh, Happy Thanksgiving. My girlfriend sends back a picture of us, and you said your sweater is obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out she had given me that sweater God that day. God damn it. I knew so. it. I knew how she responded. I was like, wait, she probably got him that sweater. Yep. And now I look like an I really asshole. like it. And you it, did. You look like an idiot in that sweater. But it, it, she can confirm nor deny that. It's a very bright blue obnoxious it sweater. It's a tie-dye it sweatshirt. It was great. It's a great sweatshirt. I'm going to I knew she it. got it for you, too. As soon as I sent that, I was like, damn it. Yeah. I hadn't seen him wear that before. She probably got it for him. Now I look like an asshole. But My- another another story from actual Thanksgiving Day. It was a really good time. They're all very nice family. I, I did drink. I, I said I was going to maybe take it easy. I started drinking a little bit heavy. Nice. They had red wine. It was really good. Ooh. Uh, probably had about five, six glasses at this point. Uh, and I say something maybe a little bit inappropriate after dinner, maybe like go for a joke that probably doesn't <laughs> land the way I think it did. I get a text about 10 seconds later. You should probably stop drinking from my from my girlfriend. Oh, my gosh. I need to hear this joke. Do you not remember the joke? I don't remember. Dude, like what I said. It was, a it was No, she didn't say you should probably stop, but she said, like, maybe take it easy. And I was hey, like, take it yeah, easy. maybe I should you take idiot. it easy. Probably made a weird joke there. That's great. Highlights from my Thanksgiving. Um, I got to watch your dog. Riggins, yes. which if you don't know, has a crazy underbite. Maybe Mike can stitch in a picture of this motherfucker on the YouTube channel. You but got it. He and I agreed to watch him a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Then I forgot that I also agreed to watch Eric Eager's dog, which is one of the most misbehaved dogs I've ever been around. It's like close to one years old, golden retriever, happy-go-lucky guy, but he just does what he wants. Him yeah. and Riggins were just like banging each other the entire time. That seemed like, like a terrible comment. It was the worst thing in the world. Like Sammy's humping Riggins. That's Eric's dog. Riggins is humping Sammy. I'm trying to split them up. They're slobbering all over my apartment sammy pisses all over my apartment he rips open a toy that's like full of seeds or whatever the hell that dog toy is full of i ended up having to barricade my bed with my two bikes to protect myself from the hump fest it was an absolute disaster and that's the day after thanksgiving on thanksgiving i had dinner with george Shahuri, who is uh pff's chief experience officer here he's uh, <laughs> runs the whole director of content business here and experience. also he makes a really good meal two really nice yeah. steaks Crushes the steaks. And then beyond that, mac and cheese, mashed potatoes, and a really nice salad. But 
as he's pulling the mashed potatoes off the oven, he put them in a little glass jar as everything finished up. Drop the glass jar. Shards of glass in the cranny between your fridge and your oh. oven. Every kitchen has that. Oh, that no. little cranny right there. Yeah. They're irreparable. We ended up not having ma- uh, mashed potatoes. And if you don't know George, guy's got a little bit of a temper. I thought he was going to detonate. That I- seemed like a day ruiner for him. <laughs> I thought it was going to be that a day ruin. ruin. Maybe a weekend. Like Somehow we rallied. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised if today he's still upset. Like oh, he was. He was. Yeah. We couldn't make a joke about it for like two hours. We were just like <laughs> sitting in silence. It was not good, but uh, we eventually rallied from that. But yeah, awesome Thanksgiving overall. Got to watch dogs hump and George drop some mashed potatoes. Big win overall. Jumping into football now. It wasn't a great Thanksgiving weekend for some other people in the NFL. David Caldwell and Bob Quinn, uh, the GM of the Jaguars and Lions respectively. Also, Matt Patricia, the coach of the Lions, end up getting fired after this weekend they now enter what? There are four open GM jobs in the yeah. NFL right now. Detroit, Wild. Jacksonville, Houston, formerly Bill O'Brien's gig, mm-hmm. and the Atlanta Falcons for Thomas Dimitrov. First, before we get in it, can we do a postmortem on the Detroit Lions? Yeah. Can we just talk about it? Because like one of the least successful GM head coach tandems like ever. Yes. Just uh, nothing. They were not a bad team when they got hired, and they turned into a consistently bad team. Where do you and, think it and, went wrong? And just misread. Give me, give me some highlight, high-level bad turning points for this Detroit Lions well, front job. I think office. they just had one I think Matt Patricia completely misread what made Bill Belichick Bill Belichick. It was not the hard ass uh enforcer mentality uh day after day in practice. It was the actual Xs and Os is that what makes Bill Belichick Bill Belichick the actual understanding of the game of football and the week to week preparation which he did not, like, they did not have mm-hmm. uh, near the sort of success or uh, employ with the, near the effectiveness that Bill Belichick did. Uh, and then the hard acidness came back to bite him in a big way because that's not, when you're not winning and that's not who you are, who you really are, who you, like, that isn't your actual personality when, like, you are being fake. And it was kind of fake in Matt Patricia's case, I thought. At least guys see right through that and they're not going to respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with Bob Quinn, it was just, they were drafting for, a game that was being played in 1990s. Like you're drafting multiple running backs in the top two rounds. You drafted off-ball linebackers without coverage ability. You were not just like the, the positions they were selecting were not positions that impact the football field in the draft, not high-value positions until this past year when they obviously drafted Jeffrey Kuda, but too little too late. They needed something else to save their jobs. There. Positional value matters, man. If you're yep. drafting inside the top 50, top 60, you need to be tacking positions of high value. I was thinking about this for the Las Vegas Raiders, who've had a ton of top 40, top 50 picks in recent years. Their best picks, I'd say some of their best picks over the past three, four years since the Gruden era has taken over, is probably Colton Miller, even though we didn't like the pick at the time, still of high positional value with tools and traits that could develop, and maybe Trayvon Mullen, the cornerback that they took in the top of the second round. Because other than that, it was, um, you know, if you look at those top 50 picks, a box safety in Jonathan Abram, a running back in Josh Jacobs. Like, you're not getting return on those picks in those top 50 when you you see what... And uh, there's also nothing that says that oh, hey, just because you're drafting a running back highly. And now Josh Jacobs has been fine, but there's nothing that says, oh, just because you're drafting a running back or, say, an off-ball linebacker, a position that isn't as highly coveted around the NFL, there's nothing that says that you're all of a sudden going to hit on that mm-hmm. compared, like, they, they still have the same bust rate. It's still just as difficult to evaluate certain positions like that as it is any other, so. If you're going to uh, miss, might as well miss on someone like that actually plays a very good position or yes. a high-valuable position. All right, let's get back to the GM's jobs here. Had to talk about Detroit. Had to do it. My take is similar on Matt Patricia, but I think I think I don't think he read it wrong in that the thing that works for Bill Belichick is this hard acidness. I think he just didn't earn it yet. 
hard, hard acid. I like that you used my term. That hard I just, like, acidness. Did not but, like at all when I said it. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I do think you yeah. need some of that. But And I think Bill Belichick gets buy-in because of it. But he gets buy-in be- not because of it entirely. He gets buy-in because he wins football games. Yeah. I don't think you can get the hard acidness without winning football games and being successful on the football field. Yeah. That stick or shtick doesn't yeah. work if you're taking L's every single week. So yeah. I think that's another uh, problem with that. I think, and, uh, and then the Caldwell one. Kind of writing on the wall. They made him. They made him trade away the team last offseason. It was, like it, it was just like um, McKenzie for the Raiders when he they had to trade everybody. Yeah. Oh, he traded everyone away there too. Uh, and I think it's if this was the year that the Jaguars, if you are going to tank and really gut a roster and have a lame duck head coach and GM, and, that, and that's what they were. They were never going to win this year. We said at the beginning of the mm-hmm. year, as much as you loved your boy Gardner Minshew, they were never going to win a ton. I of just games said they weren't going to have the number one overall pick. Okay. That's all I said. And I didn't probably, say they were going to go okay. postseason, but. They were never going to win games this year, and they really like you're, if you're not going to if you don't have to bring fans into the stands anyways, you might as well you know go ahead and gut it so when you'll be back when you can't actually have fans. All in right, the let's stands. quickly rank these openings then. Uh, I'll, okay. I'll let you start here. Give me just go one through four, and then let's talk about the key ones. I think I would go Jacksonville one. Biggest reason draft status right now. You have. Probably the number two overall pick, pretty much locked into the number two overall pick. That's going to be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, whoever you value higher. Uh, I'm not sure you can really go wrong. I think they're both that good of prospects. You get a young franchise quarterback on a rookie deal. You have gobs of cap space uh, for the future here. Um, I, a ton I, of young talent with traits. That's why it's also my yes, number one. Okay. And, and a lot of Kalevon Chason, LaVisca Chenault, CJ Henderson, all guys with legitimate tools and traits. And a number of picks that are also high. I think they still have the. They have the uh, Rams pick this year, first round of this year also. So they have a lot of picks, a lot of uh, young talent, and a lot of cap space. That's just a recipe for success within the next few years. And it's just like fun as a GM. Mm -hmm. You know, like you have, you can make a lot of important decisions. Don't go being a kid in the candy shop like what's-his-face was with uh, John Dorsey with the Browns. Be smart about it, but you can make a lot of significant impact moves here for the Jaguars. So I go easily them one then atlanta too because i think they're the best team of these right now like they're not too far away from competing they just need some actual pieces around you have matt ryan who's i think 36 right now has a few more useful years left you would think is not really falling apart whatsoever and you have two really good wide receivers so i think the pieces are there offensive line that's young i think there's hope there for them then the last two i'd be worried about like i'd are not nearly as attractive. Houston, because you can't do anything for the next few years. You don't have picks. You don't have cap space. Yes, you have Deshaun Watson. So you'd have to get a little creative there. I think you'll have some a little bit of a leash with Deshaun Watson having a top-five quarterback. Like you'll, you'll have some prosperity, you would think. Uh, so that one I would put above Detroit. Detroit's just not great from a draft perspective right now. They're kind of in that purgatory uh, eight and eight every year, just that middling, you know, 10 to 20 in the draft is a purgatory to stay in every single year. It's difficult to get out of. They don't have a ton of cap space. And you have a quarterback in Matt Stafford, who is that purgatory esque quarterback who's just never going to lead you, never going to carry you to a you know, Super Bowl on his own. He needs perfect pieces around him. So do they restart? I don't know. We'll see. But I would. That would be my last of those openings. The order isn't changing on my end, but I am fighting every bone in my body to not put Houston above Atlanta because of how well Deshaun Watson's playing. Yeah, the highest graded quarterbacks in the NFL since week five are Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And I want to buy into that young quarterback playing at a high level floor, even mm-hmm. though I don't have draft picks in Houston, even though I don't have draft capital, I mean, um, free agency or cap resource in Houston. Well, Fuller's leaving in free agency. It's yeah, that's that the thing. much it's harder. Like <laughs> your, t- your top receiver is young. 
yet again leaving a free agency. Like you cannot re-sign Will Fuller with their cap situation. I, I don't know how they're going to build on what they already have. The problem is, is I'd rather have Deshaun Watson over Matt Ryan, but I'd rather have Matt Ryan's situation, draft capital, et cetera, yeah. in Atlanta. I think that one's the toughest one. Detroit's the obvious last. Detroit's the obvious last situation because you're stuck with Matt Stafford. This, the roster isn't good. The defense specifically is is lackluster talent. And offensively, Kenny Galladay is a free agent this offseason. That's going to require some big space if you want to mm-hmm. bring him back. And the other receivers beyond that aren't you know really big separators, in my opinion, compared to the rest of the league. I, I like Marvin Jones. I like Marvin Hall. But like this is not an offense that's in a position to win with Matt Stafford. And even if it was, I'm second-guessing, unless this is a an elite surrounding cast for Matt Stafford, that they're a team that can go deep in the postseason. Yeah, this is a... Also going to be a very interesting free agency with what the cap, what happens to the cap, because everyone's mm-hmm. projecting it to go back massively. But a lot of teams are just going to be completely screwed. I mean, the Saints right now, if the cap's at 176 million dollars, if that's what it's projected, which would be 20 million below what it is right now, which it's gone up like 10 million every year for the last like five or six years, that really does take that massive step back because of you know the coronavirus impacting the revenues league wide. Seems like Saints are 90 million dollars over that right now if, with without they'd have to make moves just to get underneath it. Like so many teams are screwed, which would then mean like no one's going to be able to sign free agents, big money free agents this upcoming off season. So I'm, I'm still, I still do think you'll see some cap smoothing where I don't think you're going to see this massive step back because of how many teams would be screwed by it. But it will be interesting if some big money free agents are just like unable to get near what they would have gotten in years past, helping out some teams like maybe the, Texans be able to sign Will Fuller, Lions being able to sign Kenny Galladay, things like that. All right, let's jump into our tank update portion of the episode here where we look at the teams where they, if the draft was tomorrow, this is the top five. These are the teams that would be picking in the top five. Jets at one, Jacksonville at two, Cincinnati at three, Dallas Cowboys at four, and the Los Angeles Chargers at five. Let's go ahead and put this out of the way. The New York Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars are taking the two best quarterbacks available. Jets are nearly locked into Trevor Lawrence if they do secure that number one overall pick. And Jacksonville, like you said, it's either Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. Whichever prospect Mm -hmm. they prefer, they're going to go that way. Or do you have any disagreements there, or is that pretty much lock and stone? My, I'll just throw this scenario out there that hasn't really been talked about. Oh, no. Because everyone's like, oh, Trevor Lawrence, he should go back to school if the Jets have the number one overall pick. Don't want to be with a bad organization. Dumb. We've talked about that already, why that's dumb. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I'm saying, trade me to the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys trade Dak Prescott to the New York Jets off the franchise tag, and they get the number four overall pick. Who says no in that scenario? The Jets. Do they? Yes. You get Dak Prescott and the number four overall pick? In this draft, I you can't pass on Trevor Lawrence. But Trevor Lawrence just said, "Hey, I don't want." Okay, if they're forced, if he's forcing his hand, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if if Trevor Lawrence said, "I will flat out, I flat out do not want to play for your franchise," he said, "Just force a trade to the Dallas Cowboys or another team in that similar spot." You do a tag and trade with Dak Prescott because Jerry Jones would just he'd give up he'd give up more than number four overall. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. It would have to be Dak Prescott, the number four overall pick, maybe another second round, another future pick, potentially a future first rounder. Yeah, if the if the deal is that sweet, the the reason I'm buying into is the content off of it would just be. I know. chef's kiss i mean you could just print clicks at that point that would be a ton of fun i think it's more fun than realistic though i think the, the we talked about this with the cincinnati Bengals when joe burrow was the number one overall pick and everyone talked about it as a lock the entire city of new york wants new york jets jerseys 
I mean, yeah. not New York Jets jerseys. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence jerseys. jerseys. Yeah. Don't don't risk it for the biscuit here if you don't have to. Obviously, if Trevor Lawrence is forcing their hand and he has that leverage, mm-hmm. it's a different conversation. But I don't think that's going to be the case necessarily. I think Trevor Lawrence does suit up for the New York Jets if they pick him number one overall. And for that reason, I think that's a smart move for the Jets. Mm-hmm. Who who could they get a head coach? I, I like Lincoln. That's what I keep going back to. Like, if Lincoln get- Riley wants to be in the NFL, it's about intrinsic motivation at yeah. this point. If Lincoln Riley wants to be one of the best coaches in the NFL, if he ever had that aspiration and doesn't want to just be a college coach forever, yeah. the opportunity to do so is this offseason because you're going to get Trevor Lawrence in one of the more notable franchises in the NFL, the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Denzel Mims. You know, Sam Monson really likes that receiving court. Denzel Mims, Rashad Perriman, um, Jameson Crowder, Mekhi Becton at left tackle, who's played well. Maybe you can add some pieces there. I don't care who plays at running back. doesn't matter if it's Frank Gore or Michael Pirine. As long as you are you know, adding to that receiving core and you bring in Trevor Lawrence, I think that offense takes a step forward, especially with the addition of Lincoln Riley. I think Lincoln Riley to New York is something to look out for. I don't know what Bavada has the odds for or smoothbets.ag, but I think that would make sense as a new head coach in New York. It's smoothbets.ag. Is that you? That's not me, but I think that's an Argentinian um, <laughs> offshore book that Eric Eager uses. I only talk to Eric Eager about the offshore books. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's move off of the Jets and Jacksonville Jaguars. They're taking quarterbacks, probably Lawrence Fields, if the draft were indeed tomorrow. Where the conversation gets interesting is the Cincinnati Bengals at three. Talking to some friends here in Queen City, including our producer Mike Quinn, People want to trade out of that pick. Do not take Benet Sewell, the offensive tackle of Oregon, and pair him up with Jonah Williams to try and solidify that offensive line. Instead, trade back and return for what should be a King's ransom for a team that wants to come up and grab a quarterback like Zach Wilson or one of the other, you know, Kyle Trask. Not Kyle Trask. I meant Trey Lance of yeah. uh, North Dakota State. Maybe Trask. Who knows where this ends up? But that, I think, is the obvious move for the Cincinnati Bengals. Locking into number three mm-hmm. and taking an offensive tackle when teams are going to be chomping at the bit to get the number three quarterback on the board. I think about the Washington football team as that option. There are a lot of teams that are going to want a quarterback in 2021 after the first two are selected. Cincinnati, it's a trade down or bust, in my opinion. Yeah, this is, to me, I can't wait for draft season because this is easily the most intriguing top of the draft since 2017. Because the quarterbacks are good. Yeah, with when it was Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Saquon Barkley, because you just have like elite talents. You got elite quarterbacks, and you have elite other talents where it's like, are you going to take the Saquon Barkley? You're going to actually take one of these quarterbacks, that sort of thing, and then where the quarterbacks go. So I'm, I'm not with Mike Quinn on this though because I think Penny Sewell is that good. Now really? the tackle class is very deep. I, I'm a fan of this tackle class. I don't think it's as good as last year, but I think you have a lot of talent. And you can move down. Uh, like I said, if you do uh, do get multiple first rounders from someone who needs a you know quarterback, but I, I just don't know who that's going to be though. You know, like it's Denver. They don't have multiple first rounders to go up and get a guy like that. Like, there's not a lot of people. It takes kind of two to tango. And like I said, you would need a King's ransom to pass on a Penny Sewell. I just think Penny Sewell is that good. Joe Burrow is that important to you. And protecting him is quite obviously what you have to do next year and, and beyond. And I, I, I think you would need a lot. I just don't see anyone giving it up with how many options there are going to be at quarterback in this class. That's a conversation, too, that I think we need to get ahead of in this draft. Because I think last year we talked about trade down, trade down, trade down. It takes two, two to, to tango. tango. It is not as easy as it yeah. seems to trade down. It was like, oh, we could get so many more picks if we trade down. There are a lot of teams in the NFL that don't want to give up that future draft capital to move up spots. But this draft, in my opinion, could be more interesting because of the quarterback situation and how, you know, how much talent there is at the top end of this mm-hmm. class. I think you could see some teams be willing to trade multiple future first rounders to jump ahead of some of these other teams to get a quarterback i do wonder if you see almost like that rams and 
Eagles year where they both moved up massively. If you see it like that, where mm-hmm. it's not teams from six, seven, eight who want to move up to there, it's teams in the 15 range. Maybe it's the Patriots who want to get up in yeah. there, uh, you know, who are. Maybe it's the 49ers who are willing to give Zach up. Zach Wilson to the Patriots sounds kind of hot. You know, like maybe it's one of those teams who is willing to give up just a bunch, just a full draft's worth of picks because they're quality rosters. You know, th- those teams could make the playoffs even this year. Um, and if they had a legit quarterback, they'd be, you know, Super Bowl contenders. Now, so on to the Dallas Cowboys. My take here is if the Dallas Cowboys are indeed drafting number four overall, and let's say the Cincinnati Bengals do stay put and draft Panay yeah. they need to take a quarterback. Specifically in this situation, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones, whichever one they like the most at number four overall, and then perform the tag and trade with Dak Prescott, yeah. as you mentioned. That makes the most sense to me. Could they leverage that into trading up to number one overall? Maybe, but I'd say a more realistic situation is trading Dak Prescott um, on the tag and trade for another pick and then drafting your quarterback of the future here at number four. Bring a new a new face to Dallas. It's not Andy Dalton. It's not Ben DiNucci. And I yeah. think the quarterback class is that good to where if they are taking the third quarterback off the board, I think they're still coming away with a potential future franchise quarterback under center. Yeah, what I would see as the most likely scenario here with with the Bengals trade is Dallas trading with Cincinnati doing the Bears swap yeah. thing when they did that with the 49ers if if that is kind of their goal scenario because you don't want to be sitting at four saying hey we'll take if someone jumps us we'll take the fourth guy on our yeah, board no you want all. your guy at there you know you want either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields you want one of those two if like if that's your who you've zoned in on so I think they would much be they would if that's their plan to take and trade and honestly if you are that close with where they'd be drafting the top four, and it's not going to take that much to move up to three, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I would do that in a heartbeat if I were them because Dak Prescott wants to be paid like Deshaun Watson, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. He is not that good. And the Bengals it pick up, what, an extra second-round pick in that situation? Yeah, I don't, know, I don't know what they would... I, I don't think that's what it took for the... It was like a third and a fourth maybe for the Bears when they did it. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it, it doesn't take a ton just to flip up there. Um, but I do think that you, they, we've seen that this roster cannot win as capped out as it is paying all these guys. They need to find cap space somewhere, and that's not going to happen if you're paying Dak Prescott $40 million. Not saying he's not worth it to somebody. He's just, we've seen this Dallas roster, and if they think they're that close, I would go ahead and make that tag and trade in. Because I think, I think that's the point that no one's really ready to make right now is, yes, Dak Prescott may be worth $40 million, but are the Dallas Cowboys a team that can do it? You know, they already paid Jalen Smith. They already paid Amari Cooper. They already paid Ezekiel. They're strapped for two years now. Yeah, Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, like you, like you can't win with that roster and add a quarterback at forty million dollars a clip without losing some talent. Like what happened with the Los Angeles Rams. Had to lose uh, Brandon Cooks. Had to lose Jalen Ramsey. Like you're Todd Gurley, even though that was probably a they smart not, move overall. But like, it, it's a situation that Dallas Cowboys don't want to find them in. That window to win the Super Bowl mm-hmm. is oftentimes on that rookie contract where you can find a way, unless you have you know a record breaking quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or whatever it may be. I really like that move for the Dallas Cowboys. I like that if they are picking at four trade up to three and secure your guy or stay put at four and grab a or grab a quarterback the la chargers at five which is interesting i don't know if they'll end up here but hell they're losing enough football games to maybe end up here Dude, my take about, here how about that the 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 worst sequence i've pretty much ever seen at the end of the game where it was a run when you literally couldn't run there was no reason to ever run there and then the, the qb sneak qb sneak that only the qb knew it was a sneak that's Which, on like, Justin is a Herbert. cool call. Like, I like that call. That's like, on Justin Herbert. Like, he obviously didn't communicate yeah, that to the someone, rest of the team. Yeah. I mean, unless he was going up there on a whim, he was trying to really, really sneakily get it up there. But it's like, if they're all pass protecting, he probably got stepped on by the center. Yeah. Like, 
it, it, it was uh, it was a bad I mean bad time management from Anthony Lynn, which is a broken record at this point that I want to smash across a window, and probably some miscommunication on Justin Herbert's part trying to make a play though he was trying to make a play. Anthony Lynn, on the other I hand, know. I think that's some boneheadedness for sure. Anyway, the Chargers at five, I have a take here. And it's going to be very similar to when I mocked in last year's draft a wide receiver to the New York Giants. When they said, oh my gosh, are you kidding How me? You? you have Golden Tate, Darius yeah. Slayton, Evan Ingram. Why in the world? Now they like now, now they desperately car. want a wide receiver. I think the Los Angeles Chargers, yes, you have Mike Williams. And you have him in 2021 as well. Yes, you have Keenan Allen on a new contract. Yes, you have Hunter Henry. Give me Jamar Chase here at five. Give me Jamar Chase. Don't throw no more deep balls from Herbert to Guyton and these other guys in the Los Angeles Chargers that aren't named Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And Mike Williams, I'm not saying, I'm not going to buy into this injury proneness, but talking to Ian Hart, it's a fantasy analyst here at PFF, he talks about this guy, when he goes up for the football, he comes down with no care for his life and oftentimes lands poorly, and that's where a lot of his injuries come. I think you're going to continue to see him battle injuries in his NFL career. It's as standing as he's been. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and you had Jamar Chase is another outside receiver there. Almost moved Keenan Allen exclusively to the slot. That is a receiving core with Justin Herbert that regardless of how bad the offensive line is, regardless of there being still several pieces away on defense, even though it's still a really decent defense when um, the safety Derwin James is healthy, Mm -hmm. I really like that fit for the – like make a strength – no, strengthen a strength like the Dallas Cowboys did with CeeDee Lamb. Add Jamar Chase here with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Let's see this offense explode. I cannot get on board with that. Where would you I go? like I like the thought process. I'd probably go uh, defense for them because they're pretty good, damn good defense. They have the makings of you it. You know, Michael Parsons. Melvin Ingram's uh, going to be a free agent after this year. Uh, I'd maybe go Michael Parsons, Quiddy Pay, something like that at that point in the draft. Boo. Boo. You just don't like fireworks. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could you can get a nice slot or vertical threat in round two. You don't need top five. And I was very good. I refuse. I refuse. Anyway, that's going to do it for our tank update there. Um, I can't believe you, man. I I can't believe you. Anyway, let's go to our Rolling Rook segment here. But before we do so, going to take a short break. Two Foreign Drafts is brought to you by PristineAuction.com. Check out their daily auctions with $1 starting bids on over 8,000 football items up for auction. Signed helmets, balls, jerseys, and much more. Pristine Auction guarantees authenticity on every product. Use code PFF for $10 off your first invoice. PFF and Sunday Night Football's Chris Collinsworth is teaming up with one of the best players on and off the field, 49ers All-Pro cornerback Richard Sherman. The Chris Collinsworth podcast featuring Richard Sherman is available now wherever you find your podcasts. They will provide the most interesting football conversation in sports every single week, and sometimes that means the discussion will venture off the field too. Additionally, Chris will be taking a deep dive into the game of football as he sees it, inviting the best and brightest to talk about everything that is happening in the great game of football. Mark your calendars. You do not want to miss the best 60 minutes of insight this season. MooseFit is a premium online workout program and remote coaching service that provides you with daily workouts based on your goals, the time you have available, and the equipment you have at your disposal. Purchase your MooseFit membership and a MooseFit coach will reach out to you with a questionnaire. Based on the information provided in the questionnaire, your MooseFit coach will either assign a pre-made program to you or will create a custom program for you. No two programs are the same. MooseFit is well-equipped to help provide you with daily workouts that will help you reach reach your health and fitness goals. For PFF listeners, use code PFF50 and receive 50% off your first month. For more information, check them out on Instagram at MooseFit or on their website, www.moosefit.co.com.co. In these uncertain times, life is full of questions. Like, when should I start thinking about life insurance? But however difficult these questions may be, Western Southern can help you answer them. Backed by over 130 years of experience, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. 
Western and Southern Financial Group, life insurance, retirement, and investments. Compensated endorser, products issued by member companies of Western Southern Financial Group, Cincinnati, Ohio. And we are on to rolling rooks, looking at the top five rookie performances from week 12 in the NFL. And you can't start anywhere else. Carolina Panthers rookie safety Jeremy Chin returned two fumble sixes or returned two fumbles to the house on back-to-back plays on back-to-back plays it was absolutely insane Dalvin Cook also got hurt on the latter play which was obviously a concern for the entirety of the fantasy community but Jeremy Chin I'll say this before we get into it those two fumble sixes you're going to grade really really well in PFF system (laughs) adding a touchdown on defense on back-to-back plays is massive but I also think when you look at all the you know his entire game there just been playing outstanding. Foots the run really well. I, I think he looks good in coverage. He, he rushed the passer, beat a block, and then beat the running back for a pressure. I, I really like what Jeremy Chin has brought to the table. And we talked about this before the podcast, but NFL size, NFL athleticism looks good in the NFL. And he instantly had that to translate right out of the gate. And you're seeing it pay dividends early on. It's versatile. Like he's, they use him pretty much anywhere. And, and that's what you need guys like that on your defense. Uh, kind of that can just make up you need those to match up against modern offense you need guys that can go to the slot go deep go in the box and not look out of place I think that's more important now than it's literally ever been at any point in NFL history Mm -hmm. and he has that versatility now he has tackling issue that's been sort of a problem for him on the year 16 missed tackles already this season but he's always around the ball and I think the pros certainly outweigh the cons and like you can see you can see he's close. So you can see this guy probably next year could be, you know, if he makes that like second-year leap for him, could be a leap to one of the best safeties in the NFL, that sort of leap. Yeah, Jeremy Chin earned an 89.9 PFF grade in Week 12, had four defensive stops, 10 total tackles. But like you said, he has had that missed tackle problem. He had four missed tackles in Week 1 against Vegas. He's had multiple games with two-plus missed tackles. Uh, it's been a concern, but I think outside, I, I think flowing to the football – and you know, six foot two, two eleven. That athleticism really does show up for him. I, I'm really excited to see how he continues to develop. Um, the next guy on this list, Lajarius Sneed, fourth round pick out of Kansas, playing outside corner for the or not Kansas, sorry, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana playing Tech. outside corner. Um, had had a strong you know start to the season, then ended up battling injuries. Has been back in the lineup in weeks eleven and twelve. This past week earned the highest single game grade of his young rookie career, an eighty three point three coverage grade and eighty point six PFF grade. Lajarius Sneed. Showing up for a Kansas City Chiefs team that did not have a ton of talent at outside corner entering the year. Now this rookie out of, in the fourth round, starting for this team and actually playing uh, playing really really well. Dude, he's great. Like, this guy looks legitimately like a star in the making. And with his traits, I mean, he ran a four three, super long arms. He got underdrafted in the fourth round. I want to say it was in the fifth round, wherever, wherever he went to, because. They switched him to safety his senior year, and he was not a safety, and no one wanted to touch him at safety because he was just not a tackler like whatsoever, not a guy who was physical at all. He didn't want to play in the box. So people didn't know, oh, how is he going to look back at cornerback? He's 10th in the NFL in yards per coverage snap. He's only allowed 81 yards all season long. Now, obviously, 81 yards sounds great at this point because he's only played in five games, but uh, I just think he's legit. And you see it where you really see it is on uh, punt team as a vice across from gunners that dude he had a rep this past week where he did not let the gunner get five yards off the line of scrimmage one-on-one like that press technique that you see from a guy there that translates to press technique at the line of scrimmage in the nfl ridiculously impressive there so i think he's right now probably 
the cornerback on the Kansas City Chiefs I would want the most going forward. Man, that is high praise for the fourth rounder out of, uh, out of Louisiana Tech. Moving to Colin Johnson, former Texas wide receiver, six foot six, two twenty, drafted in the fifth round by the Jacksonville Jaguars this past week. Him and Mike Glennon have some. Him right. and Mike Glenn might have a little connection there. He got targeted eight times, caught four for 96 yards and a touchdown. A lot of his production was on deep over routes, but yeah. I really liked you know, some of the physicality he's shown when you know, working against outside leverage, using his body on, on in-cutting routes. I thought he looked you know, pretty good. I mean, 6'6", 220 is hard to defend. I mean, it is not easy when, especially when he gets off the line of scrimmage. That's where he's had some struggles at Texas. You saw, what, Amik Robertson have his way with him a couple times, the the other Louisiana Tech corner that now plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, but I do think him, once he gets to the second level, use, he used his body really well, caught everything thrown his way. It was overall a, a very good game for Colin Johnson. Yeah, basically just we hadn't seen him. You know, he had, what, seven catches all season going into this game. He had 12 no targets in the previous, like, what, 10 games? Yeah. And then this past week, eight targets? No clue what we had from him. No real signs of life whatsoever. And so for a fifth rounder, 96 yards and a tutty, that's not bad. Now, I don't think he's going to usurp anyone there in that receiving court for playing time if everyone's healthy. But uh, I do think that what he showed in terms of, like, at the catch point and on those deep over routes, like, he's not – super fast off the line of scrimmage but he's one of those at six foot six when he gets going the strides. he's gonna run past you and he's gonna get down the field quickly so i think he can be utilized in a role like that your boy bravion roy defensive tackle for the carolina panthers six foot one 333 with really really short arms that's how everyone kind of saw him coming it was Baylor. the t-rex battle when he lined up at nose tackle him against garrett bradbury oh that's right 30 inches 60 inches apart is mm. as far as they can be with their touching hands uh pretty crazy if you think about but no he gave him the business in that game four total pressures an 80.0 pff pass rushing grade that is uh really impressive going against you know former first rounder garrett bradbury who struggled in pass protection against some of these quicker guys brave Roy gets off the snap very quickly for a man of his size six one three 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 he's he's got he's got some tasmanian devil to his game it's kind of reckless sometimes but it works garrett bradbury back on the honorary blackouts list Uh, 17.1 blackout grade for him who yeah he's He's no Elkton Jenkins, that's for sure. But yeah, Bravion Roy, he's much better than a six-rounder. This guy looks like a consistent threat to rush the pass around the inside. Already, are you, like right up there with Derek Brown in terms of his effectiveness so far as a rookie in that regard. Mm-hmm. All right, jumping to a, a lot of day three picks on this Rolling Rooks this right. week. Cameron Curl, former Arkansas safety, seventh-round pick, drafted 216th overall, now playing for the Washington Football Team, earned his single high or single season best. Single best single game grade of his season, a seventy eight point six PFF grade against the Dallas Cowboys, eighty point four in coverage. Um, only allowed two receptions for two targets for nine yards. He, I, I think, over the past three weeks now, has played really well for the Washington Football Team in what is a significant snap share. Yeah, and he was a guy who we liked probably more than most coming out. Didn't love. I think it was like around one hundred fifty on our board, but ends up going seventh round. Has been starting, you know. Basically, has been seeing playing time ever since week one for the Washington football team. Uh, not super fast. I think he ran a 4-6 coming out, but he's kind of a box safety, a very good tackler. Good in the box. Uh, I think they have something with Cam Curl. I, I, really good in space this past week against the Cowboys uh, on two targets, only allowed nine yards. Uh, I just think there's – I'm not ready to – you know, he's not in the Jeremy Chin territory of rookies looking good. He's not in the Julian Blackman territory of rookies looking good, but – for a rookie seventh rounder to not look out of place and to be you know serviceable on the back end, I, I think it's very encouraging. If you're a Washington fan. 
Cameron Curl, too, I have to bring this up. I have to bring it up every time we talk about Cameron Curl. Former three-star recruit at Arkansas. Um, he got suspended for a significant amount of time. I don't remember if it was two games or three games because before the game, he was hitting on the opponent's cheerleaders. I think it was Mississippi State's cheerleaders trying to get some numbers, which is fine. I- I'm yeah. fine with it. But then it, they end up getting blown out in that game, too, and then he ends up getting suspended, whatever it was. But We should have seen, we seen it coming. Uh, shoot or that's shoot. Si- that type of confidence. Exactly. Translates. We don't talk about this enough, I don't think. You know, Justin no, like Herbert's, Herbert's girlfriend. girlfriend. Justin Herbert's girlfriend's a smoke. If and he I would have told me that before the draft, he would have gone up our board. But we've talked to. I think it was Daniel Jeremiah. We we're talking to somebody at the combine, and they were saying a common question is, uh, "Can I see a picture of your girlfriend?" From teams, teams want to see. Well, they're just a pic- horny. <laughs> <laughs> they want to see a picture of your girlfriend. They said it, it might, you know you can get an idea of confidence from a, from a player. I don't know. I, I'm not reading it too much, but. Shoot or shoot, Cameron Curl shot, and now playing well at seventh rounder for the Washington football team. Let's now make our pivot to the college ranks. Man, college every single week is um, just a cesspool of cancellations. <laughs> it is so difficult to catch up. I have so much money in my offshore accounts just gets sent back in because I'm betting on games that get canceled. Well, we do the preview every week, and it's like, oh, I just previewed three. Yeah, yeah, I previewed the three games that literally just got canceled due to yeah. COVID-19. But first name on this list on our Raise the Glass segment here is Rashad Weaver, a guy that has graded well all season long, has a 90.1 PFF pass rushing grade on the year, and against Clemson, who has two very good offensive tackles, an 89.9 yeah. PFF pass rushing grade, six total pressures on the day. That is have yourself a day, Rashad Weaver. Had the force fumble on Trevor Lawrence. We've said it before on this. Lawrence tough to get to. Mm-hmm. Dude gets the ball out quickly. You're not going to get a lot of chances with him. So for Weaver to get six pressures, a couple sacks, 89.9 pass rushing grade. That's about as well as I've seen a guy grade out against Clemson off in line in the past two years, or past three years. With, yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they have there, so. they, not only do they have talent, they have athleticism on the edge, too. And to see Weaver win like yeah. he did this past week, six foot five, 270 pounder, that guy's rising up boards. Absolutely rising up boards. He's kind of your safe second rounder right now that I think plays probably a decade, stops the run pretty well. You're never going to get too excited about him, but. Like that, that has value. I still feel like if you have a guy that can consistently kind of push the pocket the way he does, mm-hmm. I'm a fan of those of edges like that because it's easy to fall in love with the guys who look great or 240 pounds and just fly around mm-hmm. a college offensive tackle. But those guys get pushed past the pocket in the NFL, and you can't have like a guy playing a guy stalemating two yards in front of the quarterback is far more valuable than a guy who's three yards behind him but mm-hmm. looks great. Uh, once every game. All right, jumping to the next guy on this list. It's it's probably the man of the weekend, Jarrett Patterson, running back for the Buffalo weekends. Bulls. Beat the Buffalo beat Kent State seventy to forty one. I thought it was a basketball score when I saw it in the ticker on ESPN. He ran the ball thirty six times for four hundred and nine yards and eight touchdowns. I think that right, uh, 409 right mark here. is the second best in FBS history behind Samaj P. Ryan of Oklahoma. But eight touchdowns, eleven point four yards per carry. The problem is and I'm going to go on a rant here. Mm-hmm. They gave this other guy, Kevin Marks Jr., 16 carries in that game. And he, too, averaged 6.1 yards per carry and had two touchdowns himself on the ground. Give Patterson the record. Give him those carries. And I'm not saying every single one. Let Marks have five, eight. But Jared Patterson gets two more carries in this game, and he has the FBS record. Give the guy a shot. I- I'm-, I'm pissed for Jared Patterson. I'm more pissed that Melvin Gordon stopped after three quarters way back when at 408. And then Samaj P. Ryan was getting racking up against Kansas the worst runs I've ever seen in my entire life. Like that, he had like eighty yard runs that I would have also had, uh, and I had like 
a broken kneecap at the time. It was pretty rough. Sam so. Monson on the NFL podcast before they started airing, so this is behind the scenes because I was recording with them this morning, said that he could probably complete more passes than Kendall Hilton in that game. It's just it's just not true. It's what just game? not true. What what brought up the Kendall? Oh, the, the, that we're, where you could be on the field? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Feel you want to do like a pop pass. You know, Maybe that's what everyone pass. says. Oh, you couldn't complete a pass in an NFL game. I've seen Geno Smith throw like six touchdown passes to Tavon Austin that were afoot. So, yes, I could. Second best running back in this game was Dustin Crum, quarterback for Kent State. Had 13 carries or 76 yards and a TD. But uh, what's your opinion on uh, Patterson as a prospect? I, I, some people are talking about him as this like nice day two, day three type, five foot nine, uh, 195. I don't think he's a day two type because one, he's that small, five nine, 195. And two, he's probably going to run like a four six. Like the guy's not that fast. Like he's quick. He reminds me of Boston Scott coming out. And, and, like, there's a role for that guy in the NFL. And I think he'll, you know, get drafted probably, like, fifth, sixth round. But this was inflated by bad defenses. Yeah, He's helped. Like, the, a lot of those runs, like I said, were just one cut, untouched, all the way to the house. I, I'm still a fan of his game, but, like, be realistic about how that's going to translate to the NFL. A running back prospect I know you really do like is the UCLA back, who's next yeah. on our list here. Demetric Felton wears number 10 for UCLA, 5'10", 200 pounds, really good receiving back. Didn't really necessarily show it off in this past week, but I do think he has some dynamism to his game that you know teams will take to. Yeah, so Josh Kelly was, or Joshua, I don't know what he wants to go by. I think it was with Jay. Was not Just that kidding. good last year for UCLA and was well overdrafted in the fourth round, but... Demetric Felton was the change pace guy and played a lot of slot for them last year. Getting the full-time workload now and 167 yards a week ago, 206 yards this week, 11 broken tackles a week ago, 14 broken tackles this week. Reminds me, and this is going to be bad, uh, reminds me of uh, the former UCLA running back that I was high on, uh, Perkins. Miles Jack? No. What was... (laughs) What was his first name? Like? Oh, oh, I know exactly who you're talking about. The, who played for the Giants for a little yeah. bit. Why can't I think of his name? What the hell is his name? Is his name Paul Perkins. Paul Perkins, that's right. Little similar vibes, which is scary. No, but Paul Perkins was a lot smaller, right? Paul Perkins is like 195, mm-hmm. 5'10", 195. This guy's 5'10", Dude, 210, forced tackles like a. But he forced him his tackles. I think he's like the biggest change I've seen from him last year when he was kind of like that, like I said, the change of pace back. He's far more willing to run between the tackles this year, far more willing to just get upfield, take what's there. And they're giving him a workload. Over 30 carries the past two weeks. I, I, I'm i a fan of his game. And he's easily, like, he's right up there with Kenneth Gainwell, the Memphis running back, for the best receiving back in this class in terms of what he can do there. So no secret, we're going to be high on Demetric. All right, going to the Pac-12, or staying in the Pac-12, sorry. Edge defender for Washington, Zion Tupola Fatui, six foot three, 280 pounds, uh, has played three years there at Washington. Hasn't had a ton of snaps. So far this year, he has 151 total defensive snaps, but a 92.6 PFF pass rushing grade. Has four or more pressures in every game this year. Two or more sacks, according to PFF system so far. This guy, I like the size. I, the production is speaking for itself. Yes, it's in the Pac-12, but can we start getting excited about this guy? Yeah, came, came out of nowhere. Only 151 snaps left last year in a rotational role because Ryan Bowman was ahead of him. Joe Tryon ahead of him. Tryon opted out this year to go to the draft. This guy, like I said, 92.6 pass rushing grade on the season. Very powerful. 6'3", 280. Hoss. Hoss. Like, bull rush pressures left and right on his tape. He's not going to be the athlete that the NFL covets, so as only a redshirt sophomore, I would say he's a long shot to declare because he's just not going to have that much tape at this point. Like, with only a few more games left in the stupid Pac-12 schedule, he's going to have 500 career snaps to his mm-hmm. name uh, if he does come out. So I, I think he's a long shot. But 
what he's shown so far with seven sacks in three games, I, yeah, I think down the line we could be talking about him as a legit prospect. Last guy officially on the list, and then I have an honorable mention I'm going to throw your way. Tyson Campbell, the outside cornerback for Georgia, former five-star that has all the talent, the tools, the length, the athleticism in the world, and has actually been producing really well after what was kind of a stinker against Alabama where he allowed over 160 yards. But who hasn't had that game against Alabama, Alabama this year? We didn't even talk about my guy either. He wasn't the honorable mention, but Devontae Smith. Can we stop talking about the speed as a concern? This guy has uh, I thought enough... you were going to say, can we stop talking about Devontae Smith because we talked about him. No, I'm kidding. No, but I, I mean, this past week had one of the best games we've ever given a college uh, receiver. The best single games we've ever given a college receiver from a PFF receiving grade standpoint. Again, just turning it on for Alabama. Tyson Campbell, though, back to him. Uh, over the past four weeks... He's allowed fewer than 100 receiving yards combined. And against South Carolina, just two receptions for four yards on three targets. Also had a pick in this game. That is elite, elite production. So much that they're just steering away from him at this point. Yeah. Uh, Tyson Campbell has all the physical tools in the world. You just need to see it kind of start to translate to, an, to a college field for it to be, you know, for us to get on board. The pick was a really nice play in like a cover two look where he's in the flat reads the quarterback's eyes gets out of that on a corner route sneaks underneath it uh not like obviously it wasn't like a one-on-one play but still something that i, I think could be a role he plays at the nfl level similar to like seems like the kind of cornerback I, i've mocked him to the indianapolis colts like that's those sort of instincts and a play like that is a play you need to make in a colts defense and i think he could be a guy that i see them targeting uh with savior rules you know only on a one-year deal all right the guy i'm gonna bring up cameron butler you don't know him. Edge defender for Miami of Ohio. reason mm-hmm. I bring him up is Cameron Butler was a, a, a tight end and linebacker for Covington Catholic, Cuff-Cath. a high school Cubcath here in the Cincinnati, Kentucky area. I, I covered a game with Cameron Butler and the quarterback for Miami of Ohio, A.J. Mayer, who's now getting some starts due to injuries, I think, to Gavin. Is that Michael Mayer's brother? I don't know if it's – oh, no, it is. I, I think it is Michael Mayer's brother. Oh, yeah. But uh, these um, A.J. Mayer is a stud. Cameron Butler's a stud. I think both were three-star recruits that committed to Miami, Ohio. But in this game, i got to bring up this game. So when I first moved to Cincinnati and was working at PFF, I was also a freelancer at the Cincinnati Inquirer. Coming Catholic with A.J. Mayer at quarterback just threw the ball deep. And his brother, too. His brother was going deep at that same school playing. Um, and they just had monsters. Cameron Butler played tight end. Dude, 6'3", 252. Looked absurd playing uh, against other Cincinnati high schools. But in this game, it was like a torrential downpour. They could not throw the football at all. Neither team could. So... They end up just running A.J. Mayer and Cameron Butler into the ground and just like running through the mud and end up winning this game. After the game, I go up to the coach. I'm like, hey, man, you guys obviously throw the football a ton with Mayer. What happened? He's like just muddy, you know, not crying, but just like really emotional after this win. He like goes on his knees and draws up. He's like, we made up this new formation to play in the mud and like draws this formation in the mud while I'm interviewing him. It was absolutely incredible. One of the one of the things I miss about doing more access-based journalism is talking to like people at the peak of their like even if it's just a high school nice. thing, just like like where they're just like, oh my gosh, I just went on this emotional roller coaster of a win mm-hmm. in this random game in random Cincinnati. But Cameron Butler was on that team and this past week had a 40% pass rush win rate and 90.1 PFF pass rushing grade. Brought up some good memories from Cameron Butler there. All right. Michael Mayer, though. Notre Dame tight end. Mm-hmm. That's first rounder. You think so? He's okay. also like 35 years old. When he was like 18. He looks old as fuck. Yeah, I'll, I'll stitch a picture of him in here. But yeah, I remember seeing him. Is he cause, really? Yeah, because I mean, like Austin said, it's, you know, Covcath is, it's in Northern Kentucky, but it's essentially a Cincinnati school. And I think he won Gatorade Player of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. And the first time I saw him on TV, I, I, I was like, that's not, that's not a high school kid. That, that dude's older than I am. 
Oh my he gosh, looks like he's a massive. Player. He looks like a creative player from uh from like, you know, the NCAA football games where it's just like you just get this guy with a massive square jaw where it's just like he looks old as shit. That looks that's Michael Mayer. Oh my god. Dude, he does look like a creative player. He looks like a uh, like a WWE action figure. That guy has got an insane build. <laughs> Former five-star recruit, now playing tight end for Notre Dame. That guy is he a stud. His brother, not nearly as good. Yeah. But uh, either way, that that Covington Cupcath had a really good team. Cameron Butler, Mayor. A lot of good teams. Since that, since that there you go. Uses. All right, blackout segments here. We are not putting Kendall Hilton on the blackout segment. Dude was cast into the fire with no 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 shot at Did having any success. That's no, not a blackout. That's... If anything, he blacked out after to try and forget that game because it was absolutely absurd circumstance. I think he probably had a good time after that game. I'm removing him from that list. That would have been... How much fun would that be, though, where it's just like you get thrown in a quarterback? Now, obviously, it turned south pretty quickly for him, but like, I would love just the opportunity just to see what it feels like to try to play quarterback in the NFL game. It's probably just absolutely insane yeah it was insane it looked insane he only completed one pass and had a pick i feel bad for the guy we're not keeping him on the blackout segment give me another blackout all right other blackout michael Pittman jr has not been quite as expected this year has had some good games but three drops in this one and none of them were like easy in your bread basket drops but that would almost be better because he was supposed to be this ridiculously good hands uh off platform catches and outside of the frame easy money for him and he drops three in this game plus three of those balls get through his hands unfortunate he's kind of one of those guys where it just looks like uncomfortable he just looks uncomfortable compared to the guy we saw at usc last year where just the confidence is not there yet need to see what he looks like next year i feel like equanimous st brown looks like that too even though he's in like year three now with the packers we're just like you're making plays where they just never would have done that in college Mm -hmm. and so We'll confidence love. definitely matters yeah. i think this rookie class too we've said it i feel like every single week like d- don't write anybody off as a bust you shouldn't write off anybody as a bust in any rookie season but this season in particular yeah is very very difficult for a lot of these guys to transition i mean so many of them didn't even have opportunities to start early in the season the fact that justin herbert is playing as well as he has is absurd yeah cameron curl playing better than an expectation i think hold out see how these guys play out in year two and year three before you start to really hold judgment because it's not surprising that we've seen so many corners, linebackers, and even some receivers kind of come out slow out of the gates there. That's going to do it, Mike. The Monday episode, a lot of fun. I like the tank update. I think we could make that a a weekly segment for sure. I also like looking at um, open GM jobs because I know you're applying, which – Dust off well, the I mean, it reminds me, I got to text Tony Khan, see if uh, see if there's an opening. You just send my resume through. Smart, smart. Include the uh, the amount of beers you drink. I think that he'll definitely take to. Mm. Yeah, he knows already. Actually. <laughs> okay, there you that's go. the only time I see Tony Khan. All right, uh, remember, go to pff.com, subscribe to PFF using promo code Cyber40. You can save forty percent off any subscription. And after you're done, go ahead and go to the podcast app wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, like, subscribe, whatever you can do to our podcast positively. Please do that because we'd love to see it. Uh, keeps food on the table for Mike and myself. That's gonna do it. Austin Gale, Mike Brenner, two for one. Drafts.